It's easy to be cynical watching politics. I think that's why when you catch the rush of authenticity, man, how electric is that? When you can see yourself in someone else, see the change you want to make in the universe within reach, God, it inspires so much. This week on the show is all about passion. The passion to make a change long sought by some. The passion to defend a revolution by others. But we begin tragically. We begin with quite possibly the worst feeling you can have, if you believe. That deep sinking feeling in your stomach. At first a pebble. Something you can rationalize away as a passing discomfort, but God forbid it grows. It grows to become a stone and even worse, a brick. It's that unmistakable feeling that because of forces beyond anyone's control, this just isn't meant to be. All right, some more breaking news to share with you. Bernie Sanders will be off the campaign trail for a few days after being hospitalized for chest pain. The Sanders campaign says the Vermont senator experienced chest pain during an event Tuesday evening and had two stents put in to clear a blockage in one of his arteries. A statement from the campaign says Sanders is, quote, conversing and in good spirits. The campaign also says they are canceling his events and appearances. Uh, we're going to have uh, Caitlin Huey Burns. Now, I know that was a bit of a heady intro for this, okay? So let me go ahead and recap. Bernie Sanders was and is my pick to secure the nomination of the Democratic Party. What he has done to stir up the progressive wing of a party he doesn't even belong to is remarkable. He's also 78 years old. In a race involving four septuagenarians, Bernie's looked as spry as any of them, and he's come across as clear and articulate, unlike some people named Joe Biden. In fact, it's his oratory skill that can frustrate people like me when he continues to repeat the same stump speech from, well, forever showing no recognition that he is in a very specific situation right now. And ultimate glory could lie only one slight messaging pivot away. And yet, to his faithful, that's the point. He was right then, he's right now, and he'd be right as president. When it comes to a voice for the worker, he's always been there. Except today when he canceled all of his events for a medical emergency. I'm not saying this is the end of Bernie Sanders. I'm saying there are laws of political gravity. Bernie at 78 would be the oldest president to take office should he win. A campaign like that is precedented on overproving your ability to serve out a term. It's the reason we get Instagram clips of him playing basketball. They are trying to head these kinds of concerns off at the pass. A medical incident like this, specifically phrases like emergency stent placement, we are hearing a lot of words that never say but sure sound a whole lot like heart attack, will be an albatross around his neck going forward. There's also ominous clouds on the horizon if you have a telescope. Medium Buying, a political advertising-focused Twitter account, reported yesterday that Bernie 2020 had purchased ad time in Iowa set to go live tomorrow, October 3rd. They tweeted today, October 2nd, after the campaign suspension announcement was made, that that purchase had been pulled. 
I can't think of why something like that would happen unless there were changes on the horizon. Maybe this was something that they had already wanted to restructure. Maybe they wanted to change their messaging. Maybe they wanted to make sure that these commercials were ready for prime time. And this was just the 11th hour when they canceled it. Or maybe the Bernie campaign looks very different going forward. Maybe their candidate isn't ready. Maybe his health is preventing him from doing one of the most grueling things that any human can do. Run for president. Get on a plane. Eat food that isn't great for you. Have the stress of knowing that every word that comes out of your mouth will not only be judged by your base, but also your opponents and the press. Press that already doesn't exactly have the warmest feelings for you. This is not a eulogy. Bernie Sanders is a front runner in this race, and suspending campaign events for the indefinite future is something that should be covered in depth, specifically if it's a medical issue. This is not a eulogy. Bernie Sanders still has a bright future ahead of him if he has the wherewithal to continue running. This is not a eulogy. Bernie Sanders raised $25.3 million in the third quarter, most likely the highest of any of the Democratic candidates running. This is not a eulogy, because even if Bernie 2020 ended tomorrow, the passion created by Bernie will affect 2020. But mostly, this is not a eulogy because Bernie has spent his entire career being counted out for one reason or another, and yet he's still here. So let's talk about the big news aside from the breaking news. We are still in the midst of impeachment, so I will do my best to catch everybody up as to where we are now. Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi had a press conference a little bit earlier today. In it, my biggest takeaway was that Pelosi's trying to shore up a weakness. She wants to make sure that she can get her messaging out there because there is one way that you can attack an impeachment proceeding. One way that you can erode the faith of the faithful. And so here's what Nancy Pelosi says. She wants to make it clear that she still continues to want to work on bipartisan legislation while impeachment is on the fast track, including prescription drugs and a new North American trade deal. These are things that need Republican votes and they need support of the president. Now, I mentioned before on one of the other shows that the Clinton way of handling impeachment was to totally ignore that it was happening. Let that be the, the job of your surrogates. They can talk about, oh my God, this is really just about oral sex. What you need to do, if you're the White House, is to focus on the job of being the president. And what you want to paint for everybody out there is that, look, 
I'm trying to do my job. They're the one wasting time. They're the one making this totally nonsensical. They're the one making our government dysfunctional. Trump has not quite done that, although he has had a few opportunities. Look, they were on the cusp of doing some kind of bipartisan gun legislation, even if it was just these these red flag laws, which granted would not be enough for many of the Democratic representatives, but it would be something. If Trump were Clinton, you would make the argument that, hey, come on over to the White House. Let's make a deal right now. Oh, wait, you can't. You can't because you can't be seen smiling, signing a bill with me right now when you're trying to kick me out of office. Now, can you? You would push the Democrats into that position. As we said before, Trump's not Clinton. Trump would rather litigate this by way of offense and not defense. But still, Pelosi wants to make sure that that flank is covered. I found that to be significant. Because Pelosi has not, as of yet, given a lot of respect to the White House in terms of how they're handling this. As soon as she pushed, she pushed hard. This is a shoot-your-shot situation for the Democrats, and Pelosi specifically. She knows that if this is going to happen, it has to happen fast. They want to have a vote on this before the end of the year, and some of the rumors say Thanksgiving. That means that we are a Halloween away from having articles of impeachment drafted and voted on. That's the fast track. So what's happened since the last time I talked to you? The whistleblower report was released. There was a public hearing with the director of national intelligence. The whistleblower is allegedly close to testifying to the House. But more importantly, based on the whistleblower report, there was a window for this scandal to widen. And it is my belief that you need to widen this scandal. I don't believe that the country is going to say that Donald Trump should be the president no longer because of this Ukraine call. I I just don't. I don't think it's enough gas in the tank to get them over the hill. However, the whistleblower report brought up something else. The idea that this phone call, this transcript, was possibly illegally put into a security clearance that it didn't belong in. A code word system. The whistleblower complaint alleges that there was no national security interest in that call, and really, it was put on lockdown because it could be politically damaging for Donald Trump. Which means that now the door is open for any other call that took place from the White House. What went in there? Why did it go in there? Did it meet the threshold of national security? So, the White House has very... I I think, compared to the way that the, the... Donald Trump's tweets are getting covered. I think there's some in the White House that kind of wish that Donald Trump would be tweeting about the following stuff and not about that he wants to see the whistleblower and he wants to talk to the whistleblower and that Adam Schiff should be in jail and that this is a coup and there's going to be a civil war. I think some in the White House would wish that he was tweeting more about this. The process of classifying calls in the code word system began in 2017 because details of state calls were being leaked 
and they wanted to prevent or identify the source of those leaks. The reason why you would do this is fairly bipartisan and understandable. You need to protect a sacred line of communication between the president and other heads of state. Otherwise, there will be less communication. Otherwise, we are putting ourselves at an unnecessary disadvantage. Now, this White House has leaked like a sieve from day one. But that kind of even makes it a little bit more understandable to say, well, yeah, so they had to take extraordinary measures to stop it. Whether or not that's illegal is a question that we can face down the road. But it is a justification that goes against one of the widening factors of that whistleblower report. Here's another element of it. Once you start making this about every single phone call that was made from the White House to any foreign leader, you now give permission to the Democrats to run back the greatest hits of the Trump administration. Remember Putin? What'd you do with that Putin call? Remember Mohammed bin Salman? What'd you do with any call that you had with him that involved Jamal Khashoggi? Things that make you go, hmm. Beyond that, you have the patina that Donald Trump is using the presidency to dig up dirt or discredit his enemies. And so we get this story over the last week. That Attorney General William Barr had been in contact, or, or Donald Trump asked for the Prime Minister of Australia to be in contact with Bill Barr about the Steele dossier. Apparently a similar call was made to the United Kingdom to find out about the origins of the dossier that Trump believes was a key element of the avalanche that eventually became the Mueller report. To that, Lindsey Graham, one of the most reliable attack dogs for this White House, which is funny because Graham and Trump hated each other, not but a few years ago, but he pushed back on the idea that Barr should be able to investigate the source of the Steele dossier and, and that Graham is going to send letters himself just to prove that it is a very cool and very legal thing to do. And then there's this. BuzzFeed reported yesterday that Ukraine did not know that their military aid had been held up in D.C. at the time that Trump made that fateful phone call. Quite the contrary. They were under the impression that the check was literally in the mail. They were waiting. There was no sense that there was any problem with that money. Apparently, all of that was internal on the D.C. side. So take all that information, take the new polls that say that more Americans are interested in initiating an impeachment inquiry, take all the worrying from some of the uh, uh, Republican senators, take all of it, right, and put it into this simple equation. From the time you hear this, and I am posting it on October 2nd, 2019, until the next time that I do a PX3 Prime on a Wednesday, 
I want you to see whether or not there are more headlines of allegations and wrongdoings that we had yet to know about or not. If not, impeachment is a loser for the Democrats. We're on a short porch here. We're on a very, very, very limited time frame. If they want to vote on this thing by Thanksgiving, then it needs to escalate until then. It'll be a bender that everybody felt good about until the bill came due and the sun came up. But if, like last week, there are more headlines about things we did not know about, then you need to continue to pay attention to those opinion polls. You need to gauge exactly how much the GOP senators have a will to chop off the head of their own party. You know, there is one bit of news that came out yesterday, though, that might give those waffling GOP senators a second thought. We are going to go through the Democratic announcements for fundraising in Q3 in a second and best believe that when the official report is released, we are going to bring on Dave Leventhal from the Center of Public Integrity. He's going to break it all down for us and the numbers that he and only he can provide. He's currently preparing for his appearance on this show by leaping from a SUV and elbow dropping a folding table as a good member of Bill's Mafia would. But, Jesus Christ in a catapult. Did you see the number that Donald Trump posted? $125 million in four months. That's not just money. To quote Lone Star, it's a shitload of money. In comparison, Obama raised $70 million during Q3 going into his re-election. Now, this news can rattle two ways. For those on the Democratic side that warned against impeachment, it could be the first sign of I told you so. Because you have to wonder what this number would have been if the Dems hadn't hit the nuclear option a week before the deadline. If you're a GOP politician who's wondering exactly how much the Republican Party right now, with all this swirling around and Ukraine and code words and whistleblowers and another scandal just after the last scandal has been cleared, exactly how much the base loves the president? Well, buddy... You just got 125 million reasons to think twice before you cross the boss. This is a gigantic number, and the campaign for Trump in 2020, the Keep America Great campaign, which looks so stupid compared to the old slogan, I gotta say, it just CAG. What's a CAG? Everybody knows MAGA. Why don't you just keep MAGA? Anyway, it's being run by the dude that ran their Facebook operation last time, Brad Pascal. 
That's $125 million that will primarily be put in to Facebook advertisements and data organization. If you want to know an answer to the question, how is Trump going to expand his base? It's going to be by hyper-targeting people in a way that we have never seen before. And by the way, Elizabeth Warren picked a fight with Mark Zuckerberg this week. So if this race is indeed Donald Trump versus Elizabeth Warren, I sure wouldn't think that Facebook would put any kind of thumb on the scales. But I could sure tell you who I think they'd hope wins. Let's get into the Democratic numbers. Bernie topping the list as of now at uh, $25.3 million, which is the largest quarter for any Democratic candidate thus far. Tops Mayor Pete in Q2 with $25 million. If Biden or Warren had a bigger number, I assume they would have whipped it out by now. So it looks like uh, a Bernie in his hospital bed can at least take solace in that. Second of the announced candidates is Mayor Pete with $19 million. Very big, but obviously not as big as his previous $25 million in Q2. But before we go any further, I want to direct you in your memory banks to go ahead and think about that Houston debate a couple weeks ago. On stage, giving his opening comments is Andrew Yang, and he is making the statement that he is going to give $1,000 a month to 10 families. But go ahead and listen to see who giggles about this. This is how we will get our country working for us again, the American people. <laughs> Mayor Pete Buttigieg. This week, Kamala Harris replaced her campaign leadership. <laughs> On the first day of that reset, she decided to spend her political capital by asking Twitter to take away Trump's account, something that she knows is not going to happen and really would only hope to excite a few people on Twitter. <laughs> In the third quarter, she raised $11 million. But meanwhile, the man she was laughing at That is the entrance of Andrew Yang to a 5,000 strong rally in Los Angeles after posting a $2 million haul in quarter two, Yang has exploded to $10 million in Q3. That girl who grew up to be a candidate for president as a sitting senator from California and in Q3 only raised a million dollars more than somebody with no political experience? That girl is Kamala Harris. Look, I'm not going to deny it. I think Andrew Yang is running a model campaign for somebody that has exploded from out of nowhere. I think the, the stuff he's focused on 
is really smart. The way that he's gone about his campaign is really smart. Where he's focused his energy is really smart. The fan base he's built is something substantial. My friend, Guy, who streams on Twitch as I'm Really Important, was there at that Yang rally. He said, and this is, Guy is a, is a Bernie dude, right? He is a progressive guy. Said that this is energy that he doesn't see at the Bernie rallies. Listen to these guys. Yes! So many beautiful humans here in Los Angeles tonight! Politics! All right, uh, uh, real quick business before we go any further. Number one, of course, the free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. We are having a great time with that. If you have not subscribed, please subscribe. If you have subscribed and you like it, we are trying to build this as we get into 2020 with all the impeachment stuff. If you know somebody that might like it, forward it to them this week because we got great. I mean, this is the news. This is the time when you want the news and you want to cement these habits as we go into 2020. Number two, we never did a de Blasio swag giveaway. So... Head on over to the Patreon at TakePoliticsSeriously.com and when you're there on the post for this episode, which comes out here on, on October 2nd, write gong in the comments. At random, I'm going to pick some folks to get uh, the de Blasio swag that we have. Speaking of the, the Patreon and everything that goes along with it, look, uh, uh, you guys have been so generous to this show, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not joking. This has been a, just, just, whatever. I, I'm, I'm not even gonna edit this out because uh, I, I genuinely am touched by it. However, we're gonna pass a few milestones here on, on Patreon. We're very close to the $1,500 milestone, which previously I had earmarked for a call-in show. I don't know if that's what you guys want, I have a few ideas of how we can expand the show, maybe make a budget for travel, bring in some other regular voices here, but I need to know what you guys like and what you guys don't like. So please, if you can take just a few seconds to take a survey, bit.ly slash PX number three survey. Again, bit.ly slash PX three survey. Thank you guys so much. Politics! I'll bet you Kamala Harris is still laughing about that Yang thing. Wrong! Oh, well in that case it might be time for the return of the... Hey, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman is still the Western-focused Silicon Valley Saudi. Wrong! Yeah, you know, remember that Time Magazine piece? There's a whole Time Magazine piece where he's speaking in English and he's talking about the, the Western-focused dreams. He's making all these investments and companies and entertainment and bringing all this Western entertainment. Well, past Kamal, uh, Jamal Khashoggi, which was a year ago, he gives an interview to 20 Minutes and it's, through an interpreter, 
Very traditional. Oh, well. It's a good gimmick while it lasted. Hey, Hillary Clinton's going to run for president. Wrong! Stop trying to make Fetch happen. She's selling a book. She's not running for president. Hillary Clinton hasn't done anything surprising in her life. Everything has been pre-planned. All right? Stop it. I don't want to hear it. I don't care what John Dvorak says. She's not running for president. If she does, I'm going to stream on Twitch for a week wearing clown makeup. Book it. Hey, Boris Johnson still doesn't have a plan for the Irish backstop. Wait. Why isn't Dana Carvey yelling at me? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, Boris Johnson does have a plan for the Irish backstop. That means that we need to check in with texts from Tom. So, Tom Merritt who's our Brexit correspondent, text me this about the proposed backstop solution from Boris Johnson. It looks like Boris is throwing some money at the DUP to shut them up so he can make some compromises. The biggest issue is that agriculture stuff is being transported, so essentially it leaves the backstop in for agriculture and quote-unquote other products. However, he gets to say that Northern Ireland is still out of the customs union by doing custom checks at business locations and probably ports and airports. It seems clunky, but it looks good on paper for Boris. Whether the EU, or more particularly the Republic of Ireland, will like it is a whole different story. Sinn Féin hates it. But then Sinn Féin and the other issue is that Labour, Liberal Democrats, and the SNP all smashed it. And even if Boris gets the EU to agree to it, it doesn't look like he can get his own parliament to agree. So maybe, just maybe, Boris quote-unquote delivers Brexit, it gets voted down, the forced hand letter goes to the EU, a delay happens, and then we get another UK election where Boris would likely win before January. That's Tom's text. And on top of that, I can add this intelligent and informed commentary. Wrong! Ah, there we go. Now we're back. Hey, Joe Biden has been unaffected by this Ukraine scandal. Wrong! Yeah, his number one argument has been electability because he wants to project the fact that he could compete with Donald Trump in the general election. But when this is happening, he's complaining to the networks that they're booking Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, that'll be a great strategy in next January and July and August. Yeah, just complain to the networks to stop booking these guys. Well, at least Joe Biden is the front runner in Iowa. Wrong! No, uh, he's still trailing Elizabeth Warren there. But, but good news, Biden heads. Joe Biden will be the national front runner still next week. Wrong! Yeah, about that. About that. A few more Warren ahead polls have emerged. And friends, Joe Biden's real clear politics average is down to under 2%. A few more of these in that trend. And we have a brand new national front runner. All right, folks, let's go ahead and get into but your emails. You can always email the show, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Again, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. 
Rannell writes in, in response to last week's podcast, is there a risk reward for Mike Pence throughout this impeachment push? Yes, the risk is saying anything and the reward is you might be president. There's the risk reward for Mike Pence. James writes in, hi, jury. Could impeachment help Harris? I know that you said impeachment sucks up media attention, but can Harris jump in on this with her position in Congress? She does have a prosecutor background. Also, this does drag Biden through the mud, and she is the next non-socialist candidate. It is a tight needle to thread, but it seems to be the name of the game with this gambit. You know, this did make me think of the fact that since we have so many senators running and should impeachment pass the House... This will be a lot of screen time for the senators that you will see a lot of the folks that are running for president become a part of this process. However, they're not talking about the things they want to talk about. They're talking about how we should remove Donald Trump when I, I kind of feel like all of them secretly would wish that they could just run against him. I think they want to run against him. They built their entire strategy against running against him. So yes, Kamala Harris did deliver a strong showing during the Kavanaugh hearings. She's drawn a strong showing during some of the other Mueller report stuff. But I, I, I just don't know. I, I, like, look, she's going to spend all of her time in Iowa at this point. She totally reshuffled her campaign leadership. I don't think that this is her time. But you never know. If it is going to happen, I will give you this, James. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen th for the reason that you said it. I'd agree with you there. Lance writes in, I need help on this Ukraine situation and whether or not Trump should be impeached. At this point, I can't find a great way to set my opinion on whether or not this should happen. On the left, everyone has been trying to find something, anything to impeach Trump. On the right, everyone says nothing is nothing and there's nothing to see. Move along. Everything about Biden in the Ukraine does look shady to me. Maybe Hunter was just trading on his father's name. But why is Joe bragging about getting the prosecutor fired? The whole he wasn't tough enough angle looks shaky to me. I don't enjoy everyone on the left ignoring that. But Trump looks horrible. Best case scenario is that he's pushing for a good investigation of his political opponent to be reopened. More likely case is that he's pushing for his political opponent to be investigated by a foreign country. It is a horrible idea of having the stakes in politics raised that high. My problem is, I don't know if it's impeachable. Everything is so partisan on Trump that I can't find a principled argument one way or another. Besides you, any suggestion for something besides orange man bad or owning the libs? This is my thought on this, and this is about impeachment. And I will say that if there is a little bit of, like, larger, the world is crumbling, the sky is falling, that you can get out of me, it is about this fact. We have, in our nation's history, tried to push for impeachment four times. Three of those times have happened in the last 50 years. And they seem to be getting closer together. The contractions are happening faster. Um, if this is successful and if Trump doesn't get reelected, I can't imagine that the Republicans would not push for literally anything to try to get the next Democratic president out of office and impeached. That does worry me. So in that vein, 
I say this on impeachment. I think impeachment is deadly serious. We should not be looking for ticky-tacky fouls on impeachment. So if you believe that this is something that is once in a generation, absolutely slam dunk, you can prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt, and everybody agrees with you. It's not just in your own head or in your own bubble. The, the nation can agree with you. Then cool. Impeachment is that. And, and, and impeachment should come with removal. To me. You should not introduce one if you don't think the other is going to happen. That's just for me. For, I mean, personally, for, for, for the sake of our, our union, it's either a slam dunk or nothing at all when it comes to that. That's just my two cents. An anonymous emailer writes in, while trying to listen to both sides of this impeachment madness, I was struck by a crazy thought. Trump might see all of this as his way to win re-election. Trump seems to be driving into impeachment head first. I don't think he planned it, but I think he sees a crisis to exploit. Number one, the gun control debate has lost all momentum. Number two, Biden's getting screwed by being connected to this, not to mention Hunter's splash damage. Number three, Warren is surging in the polls and Trump sees her as an easier opponent. He can just say socialism over and over and over. Number four, his base and some small percentage of independents are going to see this as all a witch hunt and vote for him anyway. Number five. Many independents like myself who can't support Trump might just sit this one out because they can't support Warren because she's overreaching. In short, because things are so polarized now, I feel this election is going to hang on independents and this impeachment might end up being a rallying point to suppress that independent vote. Now that I wrote that out, I'm not sure if this is crazy anymore. Frowny face. If it helps, I'm white and a hardcore independent. And finally, Bob writes, can you imagine Trump versus Biden 2020 in a defining wedge issue? Who has the worst kids? Oh, man. Well, number one, it'd be Hunter in a handicap match because Bo is no longer with us. At least for the brothers. But Donald Trump Jr., you know, I got into a conversation with a friend of mine in a group text about what would happen if Trump were removed. A lot of things have to take place between now and then, if it were reality, but let's walk down this intellectual path. I don't think that there would be a primary. Primaries in general don't tend to happen uh, all that fast, and they've canceled a bunch of them. But if the Trump brand were damaged enough, I think we might go back in time. We might go back to a convention fight. We might have the delegates from each state be seduced by the various candidates and Pence would be among them. But in that scenario, if Trump decided not to put his name in, I could foresee a path and I'm putting in this little bit of capital right now on October 2nd, 2019. It'll be my parting thought. I could see a world where Donald Trump Jr. could be the presidential candidate coming out of the Republican National Convention in 2020. 
if for whatever reason Trump doesn't want to run, but there still is this hardcore base of, of, of MAGA folks, right? Donald Trump Jr. is somebody that I think will run at some point. He is a draw amongst Republicans. He's getting paid 50K to go with Kimberly Guilfoyle, his girlfriend, and talk at the University of Florida. Donald Trump Jr. is going to be a player in politics. And in that wild scenario where we turn back time and have a convention battle, it wouldn't be the weirdest thing in the world if leaving Charlotte, you have Republican nominee Donald Trump Jr. Now let's walk even further down the rabbit hole. Let's say Donald Trump Jr. is indeed the nominee by way of a convention fight and wins. That would mean... In 2024, there is a Democrat that I am almost positive will run for president. He's been building himself quite a little resume. He just struck a gigantic blow against the NCAA. He's about to sign legislature that could uh, totally change the gig economy. He is the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. So let's say 2024, it is Donald Trump Jr. versus Gavin Newsom. That would mean that it is the man who is currently dating Kimberly Guilfoyle against her ex-husband. Oh my God. Oh Jesus. Can you imagine? I swear to God, if I am right on this, if I am right on this and this is being replayed throughout uh, uh, history, then this has to be the most popular podcast of all time. If I call this shot, I'm the greatest political prognosticator that ever lived. It probably won't happen. Anyway, I want to thank the big boys, the, the, the $10 tier that we got here on TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Andy, Paul, Mike, and Brad, thank you for being the backbone of this independent media enterprise. I want to remind you guys that you can email me, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. You can uh, uh, enjoy the music provided by Valesco and Trap Killers. You can follow me at Justin R. Young everywhere. And you can join my Discord and talk politics 24-7 at bit.ly slash jury discord. A reminder... Join our $3 club at TakePoliticsSeriously.com if you want to get a bonus episode on Monday, a bonus episode on Friday, and take our survey to make this show better at bit.ly slash px3survey. Till next time, this is your old boy Justin Robert Young saying politics has three names. And some shows talk about politics. Others talk about politics, and still more they talk about politics, but this is the only one that discusses all
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>